Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's been a while since I got to get back here on the podcast, and again, we're grateful to be here and so excited about what the Lord's doing um, in ministry, and um, we're, again, this program's called Insight, and it's not spelled I-N-S-I-G-H-T, but it's spelled I-N-C-I-T-E. We want to incite people. And that means to kind of get you charged up and on fire. I think we have a lot of people that are just kind of dead in their walk with Jesus. And I think that we all need to be challenged to go deeper and, and, uh, and, to, and to be pushed to be a little bit bolder in our witness, especially the way the world is right now. You know, um, through, um, I guess, leading up to Easter, um, you know, I do a lot of uh, teaching and, uh, and I really dwelled in the cross and the message of the cross. And I want to just uh, get these on podcast, and so you guys can have messages of the cross. We need to be reminded that. I'll be honest with you, the cross is not a place where we all feel comfortable, that's for sure. It's not a place where um, we want to, um, I, I guess, it's, it's, you know, when you have to walk into the presence of the cross, it makes you have to look at your life and realize in humility how great our God is and how big he is and what he had to forgive us for. So oftentimes, the Lord will bring me back to the cross and remind me, hey, Billy, you're worth you're worth it, um, and even at times that we we don't feel we are, and at the same time, um, he he um, he humbles us and says, you know, uh, look what you're not and what you need to work on. So I want to share a passage of scripture, and we talk about the suffering of Christ and the things that he went through. And this passage, we actually um, use it at Easter and different times, and you hear it a lot. Um, and so I want to share um, this from is uh, from Isaiah chapter fifty three, and I'm going to read the first six verses. It says, "Who shall believe our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief." And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, smitten of God, stricken rather, smitten of God and afflicted. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, that's pretty powerful. And I know we use this, uh, uh, you hear it a lot at Christmas, you hear it at Easter, but sometimes it's just red and we say, oh, you know, he, and by his stripes we are healed. We see that on t-shirts, we see that. Every, but what does that really mean? And what's it talking about? Of course, this is a prophecy from Isaiah. And the beginning of that says, and if you hear some people in here, I got friends in here with me, and so, um, and, and one's struggling with allergies. <laughs> if you hear some coughing, it's because it's, this is the real thing, folks. Uh, and um, and we're, we're live here in some aspects. I got friends with me, and hopefully um, that you'll realize that this is not some kind of canned speech, and everything I, I say is not edited. So I don't know if that's good or not, but it's not edited. Um, uh, what you hear is what you get, I guess. But hopefully this will challenge you a little bit. Isaiah again, chapter 53. The first verse says, Who shall believe this report? It says that. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So who shall believe this report? What you are getting ready to hear, it says, is unbelievable. Now this is a prophet saying that. 
And so Isaiah saying, hey, who's believed this report? What you're getting ready to hear is pretty unbelievable. And he begins to talk about, you know, they, the, the, of course, Jesus was not born at this time. But, of course, we know that the Jewish people were looking forward to a Messiah to come. And so this is the prophetic word about the Messiah. And so he begins to speak. It says, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. And we look at that, Christ came from humble beginnings. He was born of a virgin in a crowded uh, town. Of course, that night, while people were coming to pay their taxes, no place for them to stay. And, of course, he had to be born in a stable uh, back beyond the inn. We know that. Uh, and verse says, as a tender plant. What does that mean? When you think about a tender plant, this is a season in the spring we start looking at, and we start to plant gardens. And if you're not careful, if you plant tender plants too soon, of course, they'll freeze out if it's still too cold. Or if you don't water them enough, they're going to die. So they're very fragile. And they're very tender, and which is a, a symbol of vulnerable, being vulnerable. And what I want to mention to you, what's very important is that he's saying is the Messiah will be very vulnerable. And if you know this, he was born what he was sustained by God uh, and he was born in a very humble state God became man and that was the weakest form of anything I mean God became this human form in the form of a baby of all things to be dependent upon and sustained by God and his earthly parents uh, who was who were raising God that's pretty crazy isn't it so um he was a tender plant he was vulnerable to all the elements. He became, he was a God-man as a tender plant. And it goes on to say, say this, as a tender plant, it says, and as a root out of dry ground. And so uh, when you think about dry ground, it's, it's thank God for deep roots or, or, or things would never survive during the dry, dry seasons. And what he was saying, if you know anything about it, he was born of Galilee, right? In the rain, uh, in the region of Galilee, it wasn't just a dry desert region in a physical form, but spiritually and politically during that time when Christ came, 400 years from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there was silence and everything was very full of religion. It was very dry, spiritually, physically, politically, everything. It was a very dry region. And it was because it was part of the desert, if you know anything about Galilee. And so... Um, we look at that, it says, and I want to ask you this question. Are you in a spiritual dry ground, a place where you're thirsty? And that's what's amazing. Christ shows up in the places where we're most thirsty and most uh, in need for, for things spiritually and, and politically and physically and emotionally. You know, we, we need to hear from God. We need to, Him to quench that thirst in our lives. And so God allows some of those dry seasons in our life to sh so the, the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, shows up to rescue us from those areas in our lives. He goes on to say in verse 2, and we're looking at this, he said, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. It goes on to say, He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Now, I'd heard that when I grew up, there was nothing beautiful about the Lord, that he was, you know, kind of uh, homely is the word, kind of just down to earth, a regular kind of guy as far as it would come. That, that when people looked upon him, they didn't desire him. So he, he was just kind of plain, to be honest with you. He had no beauty, just plain. Uh, no attractiveness necessarily to him. We try to dress up, and I want to say this to you. Why is it if Christ himself is attractive, we're all drawn to him for his grace and his mercy, why do we feel in our churches that we have to dress him up? All of a sudden we feel like, okay, we got to have our, you know, our tight jeans and our lattes in our hands and feel like that's going to bring in 
rein in and pull in Jesus. And a lot of people, we got to get with what the world is right now so we can be a really attractive so everybody will come in here and worship Jesus. You know what I found out? All we have to do is lift up the name of Jesus and what he's done for the world. And trust me, that in itself is very attractive in the world because he's a powerful God. It's not about his beauty and the outward appearance of who Jesus was. It was the spiritual aspects of who he was and what he can bring to those dry and thirsty places in our life. So, and I love that picture. There's nothing attractive about it. So why do we feel like we have to dress up Jesus or dress up our churches to get people to come there and think if we do this, we'll, we have the right praise band, we have the right lighting, we have the right stage decor, um, and we wear the right clothes. Then people think we're cool and show up. Why the heck we care what what people think? We should be thinking about, you know, lifting up Jesus. And I, I've, I've, I've said this so many times, and Christ said to himself, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw them into me. And I believe that. We just got to lift up Jesus, not all this other stuff around it, programs and whatever we have. If we can, it doesn't mean we can't have those things. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We can have all those things. But if that's the main drive of who we are, look, we don't have to dress up Jesus to make people be attracted to him. He does that because of the spiritual aspects that he brings to our lives in a very darkened world. Um, it goes on to say in verse 3, I'm just breaking this passage down. He is despised and rejected of men. He was despised and rejected by men. I'll say this in my life. It takes one to know one. And maybe that's why I relate to Jesus so much. Because the most rejected people are drawn to the Lord because um, he was a reject. He didn't fit in with the world, and we shouldn't fit in with the world. If we feel like we're not like everybody else, that's exactly where God wants us to be. And we try spend so much time, energy, and money on trying to fit in with the world where we just need to fit in with God. We should wake up every day to try to please the Lord. We spend so much of that energy to try to get the world to just say, I love you, I, I, you know, I'm ex I accept you. And, and we don't really give a flying rip what Jesus thinks sometimes. But, you know, he was despised and he was rejected. And thank God for that because when I look in the face of Jesus and I look in the Word, it makes me feel better as a kind of a rejected person. Person. I didn't quite fit in. When you become a Christian, you won't necessarily fit in at your workplace. You won't necessarily fit in at school. And so that's where God has us. You, you may feel rejected and despised. And again, it'll take one to know one. We'll never fit in. Stop trying for Pete's sake. The Bible says that this world is not our own. We're not going to be here. We're like um, strangers or pilgrims in a strange land, it says. And that's what it should feel like, like a fish out of water. We shouldn't feel at home in this world, but look forward to the home that God's going to give us. So he was just despised and rejected. What else does verse 3 say? He was despised and rejected men. He was a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. And I love the way this passage of Scripture breaks down all these elements because there's some aspect about this Messiah that we all need. He was a man of sorrow. Now, I'm going to say this. He wasn't a man of self-pity. We got a lot of people feeling sorry for themselves out here whining around and a little pathetic. Um, oh, look at me. You don't know what I've been through. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and, and uh, literally uh, she was sharing about you know, how her uh, her uh, family relative had passed away. And these people look at you as ministers. And she said, I remember sharing my heart, this deepest need. And they didn't want to hear what I had to say. But you don't understand what I've been through. You know, you know, may say, you know, hey, my, I just found out my husband had cancer. And they'll say, but you don't understand what I've been through this week. It's like people don't want to hear what anybody else is going through because it's okay back to me. I wrote a song about that years ago. Black holes of emotional need. They just suck the life out of you. And listen, we live in a world where people are just full of self-pity. 
I mean, that's just, they're just full of self pity, and um, so um, anyway, uh, we we need to get past that sorrow over. It, Jesus wasn't a man of sorrow uh, because it was of self pity. He was a man of sorrow because he looked over the world and he saw sin. And he grieved. He felt sorrowful over the world. When he looked, he was a man of sorrow. And the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to look over the world, and he's going to see what condition that it was in, is what he's saying here. He was a man of sorrows. And a sorrow over my sin, sorrow over your sin, uh, uh, over the people during that day and age when he showed up on the earth, he was a man of sorrow. A sorrow for the arrogant, the self-righteous, the addicts, those who struggle with their identity, suicidal thoughts, physically, mentally, emotionally. He had sorrow and took the weight of that upon himself, and he realized, I'm here for a greater purpose. That's what made him a Messiah. So when it says man of sorrows, it was an, oh, feel sorry for him because he's gone through a lot of pain. He carried the sorrows of the world on his shoulders. He goes on to say here, it says, A man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. Thank God for a Savior who understands grief, right? And understands grief. And he understands loss. Here was a, a, a man who was born of a virgin and uh, was raised by an earthly father, even though it wasn't his, his real father, which was Joseph. And Joseph, of course, would have passed away, which made Jesus the head, kind of the head of the family. And I'm sure he went through a lot of grief saying, okay, what decisions do I need to make as kind of the man of the house at this point? But yet having to take the sin of the world on himself. It, so and he grieved. We know when he lost his friend, uh, Lazarus, that, you know, the smallest verse in the Bible, uh, John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. So we know that he grieved. He he felt the same emotions that we had. He was, he was, you know, he was acquainted with grief. He understood grief. He was acquainted with grief. And it says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We see that in verse 3. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was he was despised. He, we hid as our, you know, have you ever been ashamed? Have you ever been ashamed that you knew him? It says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He knew that people would, even who declared his name, would be ashamed of him. He even knew that Peter would deny him. He knew that Judas would sell him up for 30 pieces of silver. He knows that many times, even in our lives, even though we say we love him and he's the Savior of our lives, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. There were people even the day at the crucifixion that had turned their face away because of the suffering that Christ went through. But there are also people just willi- willingly and voluntarily walked away from because they didn't want to be associated with Jesus. How many times at work when you knew she just stood up for Christ that you didn't do it? That, that you know, it's just like hiding your faces, being ashamed of the fact that you're a believer. Don't ever be ashamed that you bear the name of Jesus. He was despised, it goes on to say. Have you ever hated God? Growing up in a bad situation that you despise God? God angry. I was with a a kid at the altar this past Sunday, praying with him, and he came forward, godly guy. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I've been kind of faking it. And he said, I've lost my, uh, you know, uh, two of my family members within a week of each other. And he said one was with COVID and the other natural causes. But regardless, they were the closest people in my life. And he said, I'll be honest with you. I've got to admit, how could God ever forgive me? Because I've been so angry with him now. And I'm willing to admit it. I've been angry because he took my, my, my dad away from me. He took my family away from me. How many times you got mad at God because it didn't work out your way? He was despised. Have you ever hated God? Let's just be honest. When it doesn't work out the way we think, we hate God. We get frustrated at him. We... Uh, for taking people that we love, um, or, you know, uh, 
whatever you know he, he bearing our grief he didn't we it's i guess it's the expectations that we have about a god and when he doesn't step up to that you know we just kind of honestly we we get ticked off i'll just be honest with you and uh, we got to be reminded um that the lord the lord understands every bit of that um but 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 to know that we who love him the most um have despised and hurt him and rejected him you know, I want to say this too. I don't know if you've been betrayed lately. I've experienced that in my life by people that I trusted. You think about Judas and even Peter who were close to him. And even, you know what, Jesus built church upon Peter the rock. But he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. You know, you're going to reject me. You're going to walk away from me. You're going to not admit. You remember in the garden, he, uh, right, uh, whether in the courtyard after he was brought from the garden that night. And uh, Peter was there in the garden and he denied Jesus three times and the rooster crowed and uh, I'll never disown you Lord I'll never deny you but oftentimes we do um, and we reject him so let's be reminded of that you know you can only be betrayed um, by a friend if they're your enemy it won't matter anyway but someone who's been close to you that you've walked with in ministry that you've loved that's been a part of your family or whatever and they hurt you it hurts deeply and it rips your life apart. And so, um, but we're in good company again. You know, when we think about that, he was despised and rejected of men. It goes on to say, um, it says, uh, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, we didn't even acknowledge him. And it goes on to say, surely he has borne our griefs. There's the word again, that were griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. What does that mean? We talked again about people who have passed away and he carried our sorrows. Again, are we, you know, we're taking our loved ones. He he took upon himself our griefs, and uh, but we won't let him have them. And in our arrogance, we want to hold on to them. We want to try to fix them. We want to try to fix the hurts, the pains, all this stuff in our lives. We want to fix it. We want to let God have them. So we try to dress it up like this young man saying, I'm okay. I think I'll be fine. I'm really not mad at God. And, you know, the reality is we can come to God and 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 let him carry that grief, carry that burden, carry that, I guess, a disappointment, and let him carry it and, and, and stop pretending that we're something that we're not. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him. It says we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Okay, what did that mean? It, it, it said we considered him that, right? We, we we see his suffering, but we wonder why, okay? We look at that. He, he was afflicted, but we, it says we esteemed him, yet we esteemed him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We look at him and say, look, we, we see what he's done on the cross. You know, he's done these things for us. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken. We looked at him and said, you know, even God rejected him. And remember the, the um, uh, Pharisees, as they were looking upon him and and the holy men there of the day, looking at him hanging on the cross, and they said, "If you are, you know, if you are who you say you are, come down from the cross and save yourself. You know, he can save others. Why can't he save himself?" And we look at him, uh, these people making fun of him, and they they you know call on your God now. You know, and I'm sure people mocked him even in that day. We see that at the cross where people did that. But we do the same thing. If you are who you say you are, Jesus, then why don't you, you know, this, this, and this? Even God rejected and turned his face away from you. But, um, and that gives people some excuse to even be angry with God because, well, 
you know, well, he even turned his back on his own son, but um, he turned his face away so that Jesus could take upon himself our sin, which is an amazing thing. He goes on to say this, but he was wounded for what? He was wounded for our transgressions. And, uh, you know, he was it goes up, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. I love that picture. You know, we want the absolute, complete uh, substitute for everything that we needed. Why did he do that? For us, for me, for you. He was wounded. He was, you know what that word wounded means? It says he was wounded for our transgressions. The word wounded, that means to be pierced through. He was pierced through. Every time that we miss the mark in Scripture, the Bible tells us that we crucify Jesus anew. Just remember, once you become a Christian and you uh, go out and you want to live the way you want to and you hurt him and you backslide and do things that you shouldn't, you crucify Jesus anew. You pierce through him another time. He doesn't deserve that. He's a wonderful God. We miss the mark. And that's what it means. Every one of us missed the mark. That's what sin is. It's not hitting the bullseye. How many times in our in the day do I not hit the bullseye? I don't hit the perfect mark that God wants me to. I miss it every day, more than one time. And knowing that he still went to the cross and he was pierced through for me for every time that I've made a mistake, every time that I failed, every time that I missed the mark that day, not just one time when I knelt down at the foot of the cross and gave my life to Jesus, but every time that I do that, he's pierced through, that, that piercing through. I hurt the heart of God. He was wounded for my transgressions. He took that upon himself. Why? For me, for you. He was wounded. He was pierced through for us. For our transgressions, for our sins, our wrongdoings, by, but it says, by his stripes, we are healed. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, all those areas. Nothing of ourselves is going to make us right with God. It's not a church attendance. It's not our feelings or our deeds or the things we do right or wrong. It's literally by his stripes we are healed and we are made whole. It's nothing that we're doing. It's not straightening up our lives. It's not getting our act together. It's literally flinging every bit of the sin that we've committed at the feet of Jesus and asking him, hey, can you make me well? And it says it's by his stripes. Jesus had to go to the cross. He became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. It's nothing in and of ourselves. It's not the church attendance. It's not straightening up our lives. It's literally what Jesus did on the cross that saved us. By his stripes, we are healed. Nothing of ourselves, nothing that we could ever do. Jesus made it complete when he died on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. And that's verse 5. It goes on to verse 6, and it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all like sheep have gone astray, all of us. We've turned against God in some way, aspect, and honestly, um, my life, I find myself doing that every day because I turn to myself instead of God. And if we do that, we fail Him. Never just our, you know, listen, we don't want to own it. The only time we can get fixed, we, you got to own your sin. you got to take responsibility. Like sheep, we've gone astray. All of us, he says, we have all turned everyone to his own way. You know, the only time you can get fixed with God is when you come clean with God by admitting, you know, don't ever justify your sin with God. Oh, well, Lord, the reason why I went astray is because this person pulled me in this direction. The reason why I went astray is because my past pulled me that. The reason why I went astray is because I have, you know, these disorders and emotional problems and, you know, mental problems. Don't get me wrong. Those are real. Trust me, I've raised uh, three boys and 
uh, in my home, and I have a lot of other men that have come through my home that we've, you know, mentored and done internships with. People that have had from uh, even things that are, you know, from being diagnosed being bipolar or struggling with it, and those things are real. But we still cannot use those things as excuses not to be. You know, I got kids that have been diagnosed before I got them. Oh, they're ADD, ADHD, LMNOP, whatever. All those things you can line up and be labeled. And I used to tell my boys all this time. I go in the room and pray over them and believe God would do miracles in their lives. And let me tell you something. The amazing thing about these these boys is you can overcome a lot. And I never let my guys use their past or, or things in their lives or, or what they've been diagnosed as excuses to be the way they are. We cannot justify our sin. When we sin, we need to say, okay, these things may have been a contributing factor, but I still made a choice to do the wrong thing. And when I did that, I sinned against God. Own it. Own it. Don't turn away from God, but turn to him and say, I'm bringing this to you because I have messed up. And God took it all, didn't he? God took it all. He took everything. But what are we giving him? What are we giving him? And that's the question. Jesus took upon him the suffering servant here, the suffering Christ who gave everything. And by his stripes we are healed. And I love this. He says, we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, talking about on Jesus, our Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Thank God Jesus took it to the cross. He nailed it. He forgave us, and we've been set free. I want to challenge you to look at the picture in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6, and be challenged with that. And look at your own life. Who shall believe this report? And I'm I'm sure when Isaiah was writing, he was thinking, who's going to really believe this? Because I'm going to write this down because God's given this to me. And you know what's amazing about it? This is one of the most quoted scriptures from the Old Testament. So you know what? I believe it. I believe this report. I believe Christ came in a humble beginning. I, I believe that with all my heart, born of a virgin, in a very dry, wasted land, even in my own heart, he was born into the manger of my heart. He was despised and rejected. I believe it because I've been there and I understand that. And he relates to that. And I relate to the biggest rejects in the world. It takes one to know one. He was a man of sorrows, not self-pity, but sorrow over the sin of the world. And I grieve when I see people around me faltering. God gives us his heart. He was denied. He was what? He's despised. And, and we hid as it were our faces. All those things we see here. He's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Hey, I believe it. He was stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes. We were healed. Guess what? Who shall believe this report? Billy Wayne believes this report. I believe it with all my heart. He was wounded for me. And bless God, I want to live as though Jesus did that for me. And I challenge you to do the same thing. What are you giving Christ who gave all for you, the suffering servant? He loves you. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we help us be reminded of the cross. Let's be reminded of the scripture where you take us, God, and let us realize what Jesus has done for us. We were for mighty things, God. You overcame through some incredible things, and we love you for that, Lord. Thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves. We just praise you, Jesus, for what you're going to continue to do in our lives. But God, we've got to look at the cross. We've got to look at Jesus. We've got to realize that it was our sin that put him there. May we not just go astray and blame everybody else, but may we take up on ourselves, God, and come before you fully opening and, and owning what we've sinned and throw it at the foot of the cross and realize, God, you went the distance that we could be forgiven. May we live in that forgiveness. May we live boldly for you and unashamed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next week on Insight.